This is Spoiler Country Presents, a commentary track. Where creators give you behind the scene information on the comics you love. Armies of the Spoilerverse Unites, and welcome back to Spoiler Country. I'm Kenneth Regan. That is Mr. Horsley. And today on the show, well, it's another commentary track with Frank Gogol, isn't it? It is, it is. And he comes on this time with. Talk to Casey again about his new book, No Heroin, out today. Yeah. You can go pick it up from your comic book shop. You can order it from your comic book shop. Whatever you do, go it's pick it a, up. It's on blast, too, man, in a good way. It is. It is like tons of great reviews. It's just all yeah. over the place. It has an- some another cool instant covers. classic by Mr. Gogol. It is. It is. And there's something that they talk about at the end of the episode that I, I'm going to make you guys out there to listen to. Yeah, to the very end of it, and I'll I'll explain it when we come back. Nice, nice. Casey and Frank, man, they become fast friends. They have, and Frank is our second most recurring guest right after Greg Smith. So that's hilarious. Got to get him on a few more times. Yeah, get that, I mean, get his, that his goal, race he going. Told me his goal is to is to beat Greg. So <laughs> well on your way, sir. Well on your way. Well, let's sit yeah. back and listen to a commentary track of No Heroin Number One with the. Creator and writer, Frank Ogle. Everybody, welcome again to another episode of Spoiler Country. Today on the show, we have the one, the only Frank Gogol. Frank, how you doing, man? I'm doing all right, but I've got to correct you early on. I am not the only Frank Gogol. That and that oh, is that's a hundred percent why my email is not Frank Gogol. Fuck you. This interview is over. Yeah, listen, I I want as badly as you want for me to have frankgogol at gmail.com as my email address. Like Nobody wants it more than me, but some other asshole with my name has that name. So I'm not the only, but I am probably the better of the two. I'm furious for you. I I had a change.org petition and everything. (laughs) Let's just, you know, you know, the end of Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back where they go and find all the names of the kids that made fun of them on the internet and just beat the shit out of them. You and me, buddy. Let's go find, <laughs> let's go find, find those other Frank Gogles out there. We'll get all your like web stuff. So if you need Frank Gogol at Hotmail, done. I think Frank, Frank Gogol on MySpace, done. GeoCities, got that for you too. Ooh, ooh Anglefire, Anglefire. Get one of those. Yeah, yeah, let's do it. All right. Yeah. <clears throat> no, no, that sounds good. I'm I'm all for that. And honestly, let's kill them with kindness. Like, let's convert them into creators <laughs> so that I can get my email address and their money. That sounds good, man. You you got you could tempt them with your new comic, no heroin. Yeah. Oh, oh that thing. I, see, tempting and about a book that's about drugs. I don't know. I don't know. That 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 seems a little on the nose. It, but <laughs> really, I mean, it, it's I, such a good way to get people into it. Yeah, it's, well, it's, it's a good book. Allegedly. People got to know. That's what it's sort of here. And apparently there are like a ton of different covers you can get, and they're selling out and pre-orders. And 
all this other stuff. You post a lot of stuff that I have no idea for the context of because I'm an idiot. So, but I, I know what's good because it's numbers behind it. And you're saying, oh, this is selling this for this thing. And I'm like, oh, good. Yeah. So, and we can definitely get into some of that. Some of that's probably pretty relevant to what we're about to do here. What are we about to do here, Casey? We're going to go through issue one of No Heroin. Nice. Nice. I didn't know that, so I'm glad I'm, I'm glad I'm here. No, I'm kidding. I mean, who who, else, who better to show me? So, you know, this time around, maybe Chris and Shauna. They did <laughs> excellent, excellent work on the colors and letters. And this, I mean, had I drawn this book, it'd be like a little chick with like a stick in her hand and some needles that also look like sticks. I they they've done a much better job than me. I saw your initial draft of it with the stick man. <laughs> and I mean, there are some people on the internet who have made careers out of stick men action, you know, comics and you're not one of them. So I'm, I'm glad that, that Chris Madden and, and Shada and have come to your aid. Yeah. Listen, you, you, you're kidding, but I actually do mock up a lot of stuff and I am not even close to somebody who would call themselves an artist, but like all my cover designs that I hand off to the artists, like I give them sort of an initial version of it that I mock up in Photoshop and, and just, I I do do a lot of art that never gets seen and should never be seen is what I'm getting. You're saving, (laughs) you're saving source point some, some dollars, man, because Because I see, I see the the page. Don't you design the the interstitial pages and oh, like yeah. the the credits pages and stuff like that? Yeah, we we, we talked about this a couple times now. I think um, I'm just a huge Jonathan Hickman fan. I I think a, a good strong design from cover to cover is is important at least to me when I pick up a book. It makes it feel kind of substantial. It makes it feel like a whole thing. And then when you can look at it across all the issues, like I, I always think of like East of West. Those covers were. Not very complicated, but they were immediately recognizable and, and had like a really strong visual standout from the crowd kind of feel to them. And that went all the way through, through the credits page and the design pages and the back pages and, and, and the trades. Like, I mean, so I that's that's something I always go for. And Grief was the same way and Dead and Kids was the same way. You know, heroin is, is the same way. And, and everything I ever do until somebody tells me I'm not allowed to will be that way. Like... I'll, I'll be the guy at the Marvel retreat, like getting fired because I won't, I won't let them not let me design the back cover for my Hawkeye book. That's that's awesome. So so speaking of covers, Ahmed Rafat, the the artist from Dead End Kids, actually designed the cover for this. You're, you're gonna want to cut that. So Nainad drew Dead End Kids. Ahmed did. Uh, he did a series. Oh, nuts. Yeah, but we, we can re- cut that. We, but uh, Ahmed did. Uh, honestly, uh, leave it in. I'm an idiot. Yeah. Yeah, your red state is showing, man, just because they're both bar and sound names. Now, Ahmed did a series of covers for Dead End Kids. He did the noir covers, the black and white ones with the, the 90s gimmicks, like the kids with the super soaker, yes. <clears throat> the switchblade that's a the comb, <laughs> the Super Nintendo. <clears throat> so, you, why don't you team me back up for that and uh, I'll jump in? So, Okay. Let me just start over. <laughs> Let's just start over. <laughs> we we were just like five minutes into it, so we'll just go like right into like we'll just go right into it. Good. Works for me. All right, right at twenty two twenty five. 
All right, everybody, welcome again to another episode of Spoiler Country. Today on the show, we have one of the many Frank Gogol's. <laughs> but this, this Frank Gogol is the only Frank Gogol that has been on the show. The only Frank Gogol that writes comics for Swiss Point. The only Frank Gogol that has a book called No Heroin coming out. So, Frank, tell, tell us a little bit about No Heroin, man. Well, <clears throat> excuse me. I know heroin is kind of my my love letter to Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I was a big Buffy fan growing up. Just loved the writing on the show, even though it seemingly hasn't aged well in the public eye, based on its creator. <laughs> <clears throat> but I, it was there for me when I was a kid and when I needed a show like that. And I always appreciated the storytelling that they did. And I knew I wanted to do a story like that one day. Didn't have any plans for it. And yeah, I'm sure I'll talk about this at some point tonight. The opportunity presented itself to do a sort of vampire slayer, monster hunter type story. And we kind of did a, a mashup of the, the, the monster hunter genre with sort of a recovery story, an addiction recovery story. And I think I think we got a pretty good book out of it. Like, I'm, I'm pretty excited to, to dig into to some of the nuts and bolts here because I wasn't able to talk about a whole lot of that while we were promoting it. So, yeah, let, let's, get it, let's get into that now. So I'm specifically wondering right away that the cover is really it stands out. It's black and white for the most part. There's there's a few tones in it, but you you had an artist uh, from Dead and Kids. He was a cover artist for that book. Do one of the do the first cover for uh, book one. And can you tell us a little bit about that? And did you give him any direction on that? Yeah. So Ahmed Rafat did the art for the the cover. <clears throat> Ahmed is just an incredibly talented Egyptian artist living in London. He and I worked together before on a set of Dead End Kids variants that you mentioned. He did our noir covers. We did a series of convention exclusive covers, one for each issue that were black and white. And Ahmed has a, a really strong noir sensibility to his art, and he does really well with black and white. And like, I always wanted to work with him, and that seemed like a good opportunity. And I and I loved that experience a lot, so much so that he and I have for. A while now behind the scenes been working on a, a full-length book that he's drawing that isn't announced yet nice um, but uh, when i was sort of conceiving the conceit for the the covers and like what they would look like for the series i knew i wanted something kind of simplified i knew i wanted like a lot of stark white space on it <clears throat> i knew i wanted sort of like these single tone colors or, or or like you know color families so like pinks on the first cover oranges on the second cover green on the third cover i knew what the logo would look like at the time <clears throat> so it's just it was kind of like a very quick oh Ahmed's the guy for this i know that i that he draws i know that he you know levels up everything i throw his way and i know that he's a good fit for the style i'm thinking so it was it was a real quick like facebook message it was like hey i got three covers for this new book I'm doing, you want to get in on them. And I told him to pitch for the book and he like drew the first cover before I said, okay, you're hired. <laughs> he's, he's, he's a go-getter. No, I'm kidding. Um, but he is, he is very quick and he is, he is very talented and, and he brings a lot to the table for this cover in particular. I did have the concept uh, of, you know, Kayla sort of standing facing the camera with this sort of colored, backdrop behind her and in one hand she'd be holding a stake and in one hand she'd be holding the needles i i wanted this since it was the first issue and it's kind of like the window dressing for the whole series to to really in one image sell 
everything you need to know about the book vampires drugs monsters punk rock like it's it's all right there it's you don't need words you don't need anyone to pitch it to you You can look at this cover and say oh i think i know what this book's about and that was kind of what i was was hoping for so i pitched that idea to to ahmed he did a couple versions of it tweaked some things but really this is i mean i think we got this in one go off of me giving him a verbal pitch that's awesome and and it really kind of shows how intuitive he is and he has such a solid design sense I, I love this cover but not only this cover is you know amazing you you have how many variants do you have on this oh i i, I don't even know <laughs> so so many that there had to be internal conversations at the publisher about limiting variants. oh my god <laughs> <laughs> so it's a it's not my fault all right like i I when I did covers for Dead End Kids, we did quite a bit for that series too because it went to a couple printings and there was some retail exclusives and a lot of convention exclusives. Like back then, I was hustling. I was like, "Hey, who wants a cover? Let's 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 market this book and like make you a little money." This time around, it was everybody reaching out to me and like me turning people away left and right. I I I guess there's there's some ta- gas left in the tank from Dead and Kids and and retailers have a lot of faith in my ability to deliver a good book. I apologize to them in advance, but uh, yeah. So there there were people who who the, the the retailers were Jones and Fort. I wanted a couple that specific artists to do covers for me, so we ended up with quite a few. And, and as of this recording, they're not all announced yet. It's <laughs> it's, it's it's insane. It's 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 over the top insane. And you know what the, the even crazier part is? I I can name at least ten people who I talk to today that I know for sure bought every single cover. Oh wow! P- people who I've never oh, met, people I've never met, people who who didn't read Dead End Kids. Like there's there's uh, there's some zeitgeist behind this book now, and like people are just uh, like there there are brand fans for this book, and the book hasn't released yet, and like they have no idea what they're buying. Which thank you. Thank you all yeah. so much. But yeah, so there are a lot of covers. I I, I couldn't even count them all right now. But I, I, I know personally I did one cover for myself with art by Chris Callahan, who did art for or he wrote and drew a book for Source Point called The Misplaced. And he's got a real Dave McKean style and I and I I love his oh, wow. style. And he's he's just a buddy of mine. I like working with him. So he he did a cover for us. It's like sort of almost like a Lost Boys kind of homage to like, you know, the the red and black and white poster. Really oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was it was it was playing on that. And like it came out awesome and Chris's style was really good for it. And like, you know, I did that one for myself. And then we that was the announcement variant. And then we used that same art for a retailer relief variant to raise some money for shops that were closed during the pandemic. So yeah, I mean there there are a crazy amount of of covers. And like they're, they're oh duh, duh. We we uh one retailer, Hive Comics, did a, a set of Peach Momoko covers and they got them right before Peach like blew up like a, a nuclear bomb like i mean she's everywhere now and we had three straight covers from her and they're all baller like 500 runs sold out in minutes baller. oh wow yeah they're incredible they're, they did a, a metal version of it and one sold a graded 9.8 copy of that metal cover version sold on eBay like a night or two ago for $1,100. I think that is what? the highest selling peach cover ever that isn't an original sketch. It's That's just, wild. Oh, I wish I had that, that peach Momoko money. <laughs> so like we're, we're all, 
you also have Temple <clears throat> Smith doing yeah. oh, a cover. T- totally forgot about that too. Which, that did so many. Yeah, so we did. Uh, we did a uh, rando. <laughs> yeah, well, Hive Comics, the, the guys over there, used to be part of a, a retailer group called Anomaly Comics, and they were my first ever retailer exclusive on Dead End Kids. And they got Ben to do a really cool, ghostly, awesome Dead End Kids cover that I love so much. I actually own the original art, and and I was able to connect with Ben through that. And like he and I, you know, we hang out at cons every once in a while, and and we go out for drinks. And he's a really cool guy. And when I knew I was doing a vampire book. I knew I was going to do a Ben Templesmith cover. If you, if, if he had time, I, I was going to pay him whatever he asked because he's the fucking king of vampire comics. <laughs> like, why wouldn't you? Especially if you could. Um, oh yeah, yeah. And uh, I wanted to try and do like something special for it and something that would like, you know, really make it worthwhile to to pay Ben his his not indie fee. But uh, I remembered all the the retailers from Dead End Kids who who backed that book and and hand sold it and like just made it such a huge success last year. Like it's sold like, I don't know, like 15,000 copies across all the issues and printings and variants. And that was all them. And I wanted to do something to help them kind of bring some dollars into the store and, and to, to, you know, maybe sell a few more copies in their shop and bring in a little more money. So we made it an incentive variant. So it was a one in five. Uh, any shop that ordered five copies of the regular cover would be able to order one copy of the Templesmith cover. And it you know, multiplied by five. Sorry, if you bought 10, you could get two, 15, three, and so on. And incentive covers are kind of slippery. A lot of a lot of the publishers kind of use them as a way to just sell a bunch of copies that will never move. Like a, a one in 500 variant is absolutely useless to anyone except like the person who buys it. So we, we, we wanted to kind of toe that line very carefully. And we made the threshold as low as diamond would let us, you know, just for every five copies. Essentially I wanted to say, Hey, if you're picking up five copies, grab this one too, because you know, five copies isn't an unreasonable amount of copies for a shop to get. And you know, just, we ended up printing like 12 or 1300 of that one in five variant. So you can do the math on that and that'll tell you how many copies of the the actual book we sold. I mean, it's, it was, it's six, 7,000 on the first issue. Um, Yeah, it's, it's crazy, but that, that covers awesome. I love it. I love working with Ben now that I've got to do it like directly with him and you know, for a second time. And that was the OG variant cover. That was the first one before, before everyone got variant cover crazy on me. So let's let's move on to the uh, the interstitial page or yeah, the, the credits, page, I guess. I, yeah. I never know. I never know what to call these. Like I, I I file or I name my files pretty pretty normally and inconsistently, but I never know what to call this page when I name it. We'll call it the credits page. It's got the credits on it. So yeah, this is for, for the people who aren't seeing it in front of them like i am it's a it's a black page with a sort of like a crumpled paper kind of texture going on that was from the back cover which we'll get to later and then sampling some of the art from the outside cover and then it's got the the credits this is another one i designed i learned some lessons designing the dead end kids credit page uh, especially with all the variants and you know you got to leave space for uh the, the credits for the the artist who does the, the cover and I didn't on the dead and kids cover at all. And it was such a pain oh, ass every, cause there was like 25 covers had to make a new one every single time. And like, it just didn't plan for it. So you can kind of see like I stacked the credits on the, the left and left 
you know, if you take out, we're looking at the Ben Temple Smith credit here, but you could take that off and swap it out with something else. And it made things a hell of a lot easier. Fun fact though, these credits, like the the Indicia and, and all the, the source point press publishing information, those had to be updated on every single version of this because I had the old source point press web store link on there for the longest oh, wow. time. <laughs> so um, on the book you have, have obviously Frank Gogol, right? art Dude. by Chris Mad, <laughs> colors by Shauna Mad, letters by Sean Reinhart, and cover by Ahmed Rafat. I hope I said that right. And you know, then your alternate cover, uh, Ben Temple Smith, or add you know, yeah, foot flavor mini. <laughs> Listen, I, I got I got artists in different area codes. Yeah, it's just that I can't even anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so uh and, all talented and way more talented than me they don't need me and you know obviously travis mcintyre and and josh warner yeah, uh, yeah the source point guys and man source point they're they're treating you right and oh, yeah. it seems like some good guys to work with yeah yeah i mean it's been it's been fun. Like I love working with them. We, we've talked about them a bunch for it's like a family. This year has been kind of weird with no cons, but I think we've talked a bit about this. I, I work in in the tech field in San Francisco doing financial technology stuff and marketing, and like a, a big thing that you do in in tech is is sort of like disrupt disruption stuff. Like like you when there's when like a new technology emerges, like you go in and try to find as many ways to take advantage of it until it gets regulated and there are laws and then people tell you, no, like, you know, you kind of try not exploits, not the right word, but you know, you take <laughs> advantage of that grace period and like source points, pretty young company and they're, they're growing a bunch real fast. And like, I keep seeing all these opportunities to do things and like, they keep having to add new rules because they're like, Frank, we can't let you do that again. <laughs> <laughs> but at the same time, that speaks to the the level of freedom and 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 the, the quality of the relationship. They're so good to me. They pay the royalties on time. That you know, they, they I can talk to everyone at the company through Facebook Messenger whenever I need to. Like, I mean, they're incredibly accessible, and they they kind of just let me do my own thing. Like, I think we talked about dead and kids. I. Well, I pitched it done. Like I didn't want anyone fucking with it or editing it or telling me I couldn't do something. And they were like, that's cool. This was a, a verbal pitch. I didn't have any art. I didn't have an artist. I had Chris. Actually. Oh, wow. I, I, I didn't have any art. I didn't really, I, I didn't know what the story was past issue one. And Travis, the editor in chief is just like, yeah, if, if you make it, we'll, we'll publish it. Like you, you, you go to bat and, and you, you hustle and you, know, you want to make good books and we trust you. To this day, I'm pretty sure no one at Sourcepoint Press has read any issues of this. Uh, and I don't know if that's a good thing for business or a bad thing for, for business, but it, they, they certainly trust me. And, and I think that relationship's worked out. Like I said, I'm going to be that guy who gets fired from Marvel because I want my cover to, to have the logo in a certain spot and they won't let me. <laughs> <laughs> but Sourcepoint Press so far has been very kind about letting me make the books I want the way I want. And, and I think that it's working out for both of us. That's awesome. So let's move on into page. I guess this would be page one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this is this is where we got fucked up last time. We're looking at a PDF. <laughs> PDF doesn't have all the pages in the same place. Like there are some spacer pages in the physical books, and there will be ads in the end of the the book to run, run them out. So for everyone listening at home, just keep up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So this this is page one to set the scene. It's uh it's night. We're in sort of a, like a park and some kids are hanging around a, 
picnic table like teenagers do in a park at night and it's a, it's a drug deal and some, some kids are trying to buy some drugs from from this guy whose skin might be a little paler than the average gentleman's skin yeah i mean just this is uh this is the page i was telling you about earlier this is the first page i ever got in from this book i got the this page in two years ago today just you know so for perspective on how long this book's been in the making longer than two years because i had to write it first but yeah this is this is a fun page and it really i think it sets the tone i think it's it's dynamic chris chris did an excellent job i love that first panel that it's kind of off kilter like just a little bit not not just like a straight it's almost like like a a dog is running wildly at the at the camera (laughs) you're seeing it from the dog's point of view and you know this is the first page where i was like you know what chris's imagination is going to carry this book in a way that that i wasn't expecting because the drugs you can see he's got three bags of heroin in his hand and and there's like a a sticker on him that says bitten which is like a really corny cheesy name for a vampire's drugs that he sells but it's also kind of cheeky and fun and and chris did that all on his own and and we you will see throughout the rest of this issue that chris likes to do things on his own and and sometimes not tell me but it's but it's but it's fun so yeah that's that's kind of the scene fun fact this is a little bit of a spoiler but not really the bottom panel on this this page is is sort of a silhouette with like the light from the street lamp kind of back illuminating everybody we found a cool way to to work something like a callback to that back into the, the third issue and, and people will definitely realize oh, that. Cool. Um, but yeah, no, that's, that's, the, that's kind of the, the cool thing about working with Chris and, and Shauna and, and Sean and everybody like we're, we're in such close communication. We've worked on this over such a long period of time. And there was a, such a gap between when I wrote the first issue and the third issue that like we were able to really kind of mine the continuity of the book to, to make it feel really like seated and, 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 and cohesive, which is, really good because it's essentially like three one shots there's one story across all three of them but you could kind of read all of them on their own and 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 get most of what's going on and that was by design we wanted to do sort of like a like a tv season format more so than like a oh that's cool three issue comics that's like you know like i said it was it's a buffy homage so we were trying to do do something a little more different and a little more homage but yeah, so that's that's the first page. First page ever got got it two years ago. It still looks awesome today. The next page is much better because it's incredible. It's probably probably the best page in the whole series. So everyone should buy the book and then not read past page two. And that's not a slight against Chris. Chris just he went Super Saiyan and and just hasn't gotten to power level nine thousand since. No, I'm kidding. But the next page is a splash. I have written exactly one splash before this, and it was on page two of Dead End Kids. Not it's not on purpose. But it just kind of the the cadence. That's a completely useless fact, but I thought it was it's fun. But yeah, this 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 is kind of like the money shot. Like I figure, it, people who pick up this book in the store are gonna open the cover because the cover looks cool. They'll they'll read page one if they turn to page two and see this incredible vampire punk rocks splash that Chris just absolutely nailed it on, and and Shauna absolutely nailed it on. They're gonna pick up this book without anyone hand selling because because I would, and I have. insanely high standards like everything i always think is 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 barely enough is always way too much when it comes to like what what i put into things so i I felt pretty good after we saw this page this page is pretty simple it's a splash again chris got a really great angle i mean this this face this face work is just stunning I, i love it and sort of behind the scenes fun fact there is a moon on the page 
really cool moon. It's behind the the word balloon because that was the only place we could put the word balloon. So we had to make the word balloon a little bigger to, to cover the moon. And but it, it's got kind of a cool glow behind it now. So yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. You, you can't win them all. <clears throat> so but yeah, that's that's kind of like the 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 cold open for for the issue, like the the two page like stinger that kind of gives you a sense of what's going to happen. And it was kind of a ballsy move because you don't meet the the main character Kayla until the third page. And and I at that point I was like I've I've got to do a little work to like retroactively make people care about this character now that they're you know one one eighth of the way through the book already. And I, and I did the same fucking thing to myself with dead end kids. I kill, I killed Ben on page two. And then, <laughs> and then I had to spend the rest of the first issue making you care about the fact that he's dead. Luckily, I think seems like we we stuck the landing on that. Oh but, yeah. Yeah. But, totally. but, but you know what? The reason for that, and the, the, um, this was all set up so I could tell like the story of this. I wrote no heroin before I wrote dead end kids. Um, oh, really? Yeah, I wrote issue one of No Heroin, and then I wrote all of Dead End Kids, and then I wrote the rest of No Heroin. <clears throat> so it was uh, honestly, I was probably going for the same gimmick, and just didn't realize it. <laughs> I'm a much, I'm I'm a, I'm a little bit better of a writer now, and I probably won't do that too many more times, except for in the next two books that are on their way, because I wrote those a while ago too. It's, it's what happens. Anyway, page three. Page three is where we really kind of get into the meat of the story. We meet Kayla for the first time. And I remember seeing these images come into my inbox and seeing Kayla for the first time. Uh, we had we had done one mock-up of Kayla, sort of like a, a design turnaround. And and not a whole lot has changed between now and then. But uh, yeah, seeing her on the page and, and in action for the first time was pretty cool. It's always pretty cool to see your characters for the first time. And this is where we're going to start getting into the spoiler territory. So if you've been foolish and listened to this before you bought the book, stop. But this is where we meet Kayla. Kayla is uh, she's a recovering uh, drug addict, heroin addict. She's at this point when the story kicks off about 90 days sober. It's the, the eve of her 90th day of sobriety. And uh, we learn a little bit about Kayla on this page. Uh, she's got some some baggage and she's done some some terrible things specifically to her mother. And you know, every night, every chance she gets, she gives her mom a call to let her know she's doing her OK. And, and she always gets the answering machine or she always gets hung up on. And it's 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 pretty sad. Kayla's. Kayla's an interesting character because she's done a lot of horrible things and she's sorry for them and wants to do better. But she's got some pretty crazy ideas about how much effort that's going to take. And, and that's very much this the story of this first issue. She's about to get some cold water about, you know, being off drugs is, is the first step. It's not the whole journey. Like you've got a lot yeah. to make up for. And, 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 you know, it's, it's not a light switch. You don't turn it on and you turn it off. <clears throat> so that this this phone call is kind of you know, illustrates the relationship, sets up Kayla's kind of her her character arc, and like where she's trying to go, you know, and and also kind of starts to hint at the 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 arc of this issue with her mentioning that Sid's missing, wherever that is. I don't even remember. I think it's in the fourth panel. And then you get the the last words um, on, as she's walking away from the the darkened phone booth. This this dialogue caption you know i can come home which is is like the mission statement of the book like will kayla ever get to go home does she get to go home does does do things work out for her and i was proofing the letters for the last issue today and and like that phrase in a couple different ways comes back a few times and like again that's just another 
example of being able to to take the long view and and mine our own continuity um, across a, a, a pretty small comic book space. It's only three issues, but I appreciate when books do that. Like there are definitely series I read where like it was clearly written in one draft and then like you know cleaned up <clears throat> and edited a bit, but not yeah. like <clears throat> things aren't like you know really played up and, and, and played off of one another in, in this kind of way. And I try to do that with my books that way, you know, it, it makes for a better reread. You, you, you notice that in issue one, after you've read issue three and you go back for a reread. I don't know. That, that kind of stuff matters to me. <clears throat> I, I read recently that Steve Ditko would write his central theme for the, the book that he's writing or the issue that he's writing. Uh, he would write that theme on the top of every page I 100% so, do that too. Um, yeah, a little I mean, bit, little it, bit, it makes sense. A little bit different. So for every issue in my script, I use uh, Google Google Docs, and I'll, I'll put the issue title up in the, the header. So it's on every page at the top. And it doesn't always end up being the, the official, you know, last final version of the, the title, but most of the time it does. So like for Dead End Kids, issue two, that title was called, or that issue was titled Holes, H-O-L-E-S. And and that was like very much something that inspired the way I wrote this. I mean, the story was spoilers, but it's, it, you know, it was a bunch of flashbacks to all the characters and like how they got their damage and their trauma and sort of showed us visually how they got their scars and their holes the it was a play on the idea of that you know there's a, a children's book called holes you know all, all the issues of dead and kids except for the last one are named after sort of ya books that was a happy accident but i like to say <laughs> and then the the ending of the book somebody gets a literal hole put in them and like that that's very much part of my process with this issue the title which we will get to on the next page is is kayla strong which has become more thematic over the the creation of the series and and will will play out really well in the last couple pages of the book but this is an example of a time i didn't do that after after i wrote the issue i was like this this book has to be called this for these reasons and people will find out when they finish reading but generally speaking i do up in the up in the header put the the title of like uh the the last issue of of this series is called the choice and i wanted to make sure that the idea of choices and 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 options and and you know reaping what you sow was a big part of that issue so yeah steve smart guy i bet he'd make a great comic creator maybe would you you say his last name was ditko ditko i mean he might have to change that i don't think anybody would really latch on to that that's a weird name I'll, i'll look him up i'll look him up maybe he'll do something for me but so yeah that's that's what's going on page three down at the bottom we've got a little lettering job that says source point press proudly presents anyone who read dead and kids might remember that from dead and kids i did the same thing on the page leading into the title page of dead and kids it's for me that's again it's just a little thing that makes the the comic book experience like feel grander and 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 cooler and 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 you know like it's part of something larger like this is a source point press book. I want people to fucking know that these are the kinds of books source point press yeah. puts, out, puts out and lets me put out though. Funnily enough, my, my wife for the first time ever read dead end kids when we were in bed last night and, and I went to bed and, and she woke me up like <laughs> 20 minutes after I fell asleep and she was like crying and she was like, Oh my God, this is the best thing I've ever read. And I, it, what, 
her opinions aside, after she calms down, she, she looks over to me and she says, the only thing I didn't like, and then she turns back to that splash page. She's like, why did you put this this lettering down there? It says, Source Point Press proudly presents. And I was like, you were literally the only person who's ever said that to me. <laughs> so there's at least one person out there who doesn't agree with me that that is a cool thing to do. It's, uh, the, it's a callback to, you know, they used to do that with Marvel Comics yeah, yeah. Comics proudly presents. Yeah, DC did it too. I I I met Tom King a couple times, and he he came up to San Francisco to do a, a Q and A and signing at one of my local shops, Comics Experience. When I got to talk to him for a decent amount of time, sort of one on one, and and I asked him why he did that, and he just said, "Yeah, it's 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 part of a long tradition. Like, why why would you not do that little thing that can add like a sense of nostalgia and 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 weight, you know, and and and." build on on everything that came before and like it really stuck with me and i like it so yeah i'm gonna fucking do it so, yeah. but yeah so that that leads us into uh the title page every every book i write has a title page they all look about the same they're all they're all white with with the, the title of the book and the chapter title i like to have chapter titles for all my my issues because i feel like that that it helps i don't know i don't think enough comic book issues stand well on their own whole arcs are awesome but very few series can I can I tell you what happened in the individual issues, and and I'm not saying that people remember what I write, but I like to try and make sure they do. I mean, I like each issue to have its own sort of flavor and feel while building the larger narrative. So again, this this title doesn't add as much as some of the other titles I've used. But Kayla Strong is something that means a lot by the end of this issue and by the end of the series. And just like I said, it's just I like I like a good black logo on a stark white. I think it really pops. I think it doesn't distract when it's on a page next to each other. So like when people see this in real life, page three and the title page will be left and right pages and you know, they'll be next to each other. And it, it will not hurt the eyes as much as if we had done like a black with a white logo page at, which would be heinously ugly, but uh, yeah. So title page, and then we get right into it on the next page. Like we just full steam ahead. This, this is a very lean story. Like there's not, there's, you know, there, there are some quiet moments, but they're incredibly important quiet moments, but there's like, I think most of the scenes are one page, two pages max, except for like the, the, the sort of finale of the issue. And, and we get right into it. So Kayla's on the search for Sid, um, a little more background on Sid. Sid as a character is somebody who is also a recovering addict. He's homeless as well. He lives in the park where Kayla lives, but he's a little bit further along in his journey. He's been clean for a while. He's, he's got like his his routine and his discipline and he's he's living a better life than he was and and kayla sort of relies on him to to help like her stay on the straight and narrow sort of almost like a, a mentorship kind of thing yeah. uh for lack of a better word like they, he takes care of her because he he can and that's that's i mean that's very much part of the punk community the, the, the punk community gets such a shitty rep for being like you know the riotous you know dirty kids but i'll tell you what i i've been to hip-hop shows i've been to, to to punk shows and the punk kids pick each other up the hip-hop the kids don't don't look down on the ground when somebody falls um i i, I don't know like what the difference there is but i i bet i bet hip-hop kids would pick each other up i mean that was a bad example maybe we should cut that anyway so we're on page four and kayla's on the search for sid and it's, it's her kind of I, I thought of this page in my head as like what would punk rock batman be like like how would how would punk rock batman be like 
looking for for a person with with no resources, no Batmobile, no money. And I was like, she'd just go ask ask around, you know, rely on the community, see see who knows what. So she's asking around, and we're going sort of through the people. Um, and yeah, as she's goes, making the rounds. Yeah, and as as she's sort of asking around and getting sort of little bits here and there, you're also getting more of the story about what happened between them and and what before he went missing. When you find out that they they had a fight and and it had to do with her sort of taking advantage of people and 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 not not really knowing the difference between asking for help and and taking advantage, like you know, it's it's a fine line to 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 borrow ten bucks because you need it, but to keep borrowing money because you know you can get it from somebody kind of thing so yeah and and it's it sort of sets up the moral argument of the the story not that there's like a, a moral argument but if there was one sort of like what, what what the drama between them is you know he's a really level-headed good person with a good head on his shoulders who believes in you know, doing the right thing and helping others and 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 she is she's not that person honestly like and i've, I've said this pretty painfully like kayla's kind of a piece of shit like she means well she wants to do well but she can't help but hurt people and 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 she lacks the understanding that that's what she's doing and and like it's it, she was a fun character right for a lot of reasons but like that kind of sort of at odds with herself worst enemy kind of approach that it was it made a really interesting character it reminded me a lot of murphy from dead end kids he was he was a straight up dickhead uh, but you couldn't help but root for him and and he wanted to do better except for when yeah. he was except for when he was torturing people that's the pitch for dead end kids if no one's read it it's about a kid who's a jerk off and he tortures people but yeah so that's that's page five towards towards the bottom we we she she kind of gets her first lead from this kind of creepy looking guy in a hoodie i think i just called him thug thug one maybe in the script he's not that <laughs> he's not that important but uh, yeah so he he says that he might know something about where sid is and then kayla's yes like well w- what do you know let's go and then he's kind of kind of looking for for a little something to return and he makes a mistake that he he's not the last person in the series to make they make this mistake, but he puts his hand on her, and uh, well, he gets a, a face full of Kayla's fists in the next panel, and she she walks away in pretty good shape. This was sort of a functional scene in a lot of ways. Like I need we wanted to move the story along and like give her a lead, right? Something to to, to track down, but also since this is a book about a, a a not chosen one type of person like Buffy just like a regular person who who goes out and fights like these incredibly dangerous vampires and werewolves and shit. I wanted to sort of establish early on that she, she knew her way around a fight. So that, so that was kind of like a, the double reason for this scene in particular, but also because, you know, I wanted a little action. One of the things I, yeah. I promised myself I would do with this series is, is really stretch my legs on action. Dead in kids was a slow burn and, and pretty, pretty drama heavy when i wanted to fucking break some teeth in this one so there we go right on page five in the context yep and and the context for for the lead that she gets from him for since nobody can see this is the thug one is telling her that can't be what i call her maybe it was bum one but uh, he tells her that that he saw sid hanging out with the vamps the 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 drug dealing vampire crew who who lives in the neighborhood near them one of whom we saw on the first page and and yeah part of the reason she fights back so ferociously in this scene is because she's pissed off like you know she just found out that her 
unofficial sponsor of her drug recovery is is hanging out with the dealers for for some reason all of a sudden so yeah and then kayla kind of walks off after knocking the shit out of this guy and and you know what now that i'm thinking back on it this is there there are so many shots of of kayla just walking away from the camera in this series (laughs) like to the point of abuse i think i i was younger i didn't know about it but but they're all a little bit different i bet nobody would have made that connection without me so cut that too. So on the next page, we we get a cool one page scene that I, I like a lot. This this is a, it's a four panel page and it's got flashbacks to Kayla getting a tattoo. And it's it's like one of the, the important visuals of the story. It's it's it becomes kind of like a, a symbol by the end of all of it. It's a machete and 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 written on the blade going down her arm is the word Dura, D-U-R-A, which is a Spanish word for strong. Kayla's Kayla's a Puerto Rican woman, so she's got her tattoo in Spanish. And and I should take this opportunity to to thank a couple of people, Mariana Sierra, who I went to college with, and Kate Sanchez, who is the editor-in-chief of But Why Though both of whom helped me with the translations for this book to help me make sure that it was super authentic and 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 that I wasn't, you know, aping other people's culture to make a buck without, you know, do, giving due diligence and actually making the story mean something and have it be important. So thank you to them. But yeah, this is a cool page. I like this page a lot. It's it's two flashback panels and and two panels of Kayla kind of processing what she just learned about Sid. And and this I like this page a lot because like the juxtaposition between the the two scenes that are playing out. You see this like you get to see Sid on camera for the first time in the flashback and and you you know get a sense of like that it's a good guy. He's an encouraging guy. And that he he really means well, which just kind of begs the question of like if he is running around with the vamps, like what happened, and and you get a little more you know history of Kayla and and kind of see like her mindset and like why she thinks yeah he would do it and and you know at first she's like now nah, fuck that guy I'm not he's, he's an asshole but then she kind of in spite of herself ends up doing the right thing and 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 deciding that she should go save him if she can I don't know I just think that there's a lot of really good character work on here and there's you know given it's four panels and and maybe 15 or 16 wording elements like we really fit a lot of story in that and and this is one where where chris really did some heavy lifting i haven't talked enough about chris yet but in the flashbacks like kayla's probably just clean like i don't don't know exactly what it was but it's prior a couple months at least and she's like a lot more gaunt and like yeah more more bony looking her neck is very thin her hair is short i mean there's there's a, a lot of good continuity in the art and 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 chris really just nailed it and, and sean on the colors like we we did some flashbacks in, in the second issue and didn't go for the sepia because it was it was more a larger part of the story but the sepia here really works and and sean and just i i mean i i we could talk for an extra two hours about all, all that sean it's I, I will only say what i need to but she's an incredible colorist uh, this is probably the last book I'll be able to afford her on because she's about to be on everything when this book goes out in Marvel Caesar. So enjoy, enjoy Frank and Shauna this one time, guys. But yeah, that's that's the scene. She she's processing the information. She's kind of resisting her call to action, and then you know realizes that she she has to do the right thing. So moving on to the next page, and this is where the the story kind of starts to get fun. This was like. All right. If if the the investigation scene was what if what, what would punk rock Batman be like? This is like what would punk rock MacGyver be like? She she knows that she's about to go up against the gang of vamps, and there's there's five or six 
kicks them and she's just one chick and she can fight. She, she knows her way around a fight, but she's not going to beat six people with, you know, enhanced speed and fangs and shit. So she's, she's kind of doing a little MacGyvering and, and finding what she can in her local surroundings. And there's, there's some really cool stuff going on here. And do you mind if I point out something in, in panel one? Is it the homeless guy in the dumpster? <laughs> no, 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 oh. not. Not that at all. Is what's standing up against the dumpster? The mirror, right? Yeah, and what's clearly not in the mirror? No, no, you're you're looking for something that's not there. It's just, it's am, just am I for real? Okay, it's, it's just the angle. Okay. Yeah, no, Kayla's not a vampire. Not yet, at least we haven't told her whole story. <laughs> um, but no, but in, this is the first panel where where I realized that I had to had to watch Chris a little harder than I thought I did. Because if you look up in the upper right-hand corner, there's a dumpster and there's a random homeless man popping out of it. And he's not like, subtly, <laughs> I love it, he's not subtly like in the dumpster. He's like popping out of it. Almost like a fucking Looney Tune. He's a heller. But I love this panel because the, the homeless guy obviously is great. The composition is awesome. That that color work on the mirror is maybe the only mirror surface in a comic that I've looked at that looked actually like a mirror. You're like, oh, that's fucking mirror right there. <laughs> yeah, and it's like it's crystal. It's awesome. But yeah, so this this is kind of the the prep montage. She's about to go to war, so she's looking for for a little bit she can she can find and use. And yeah, she and by the last panel, you see her lay out everything that that she's collected, and she's got a bag of food from a place. In, in the script, the bag was supposed to say Garlic Town, but we decided that was a little too corny. So now it's just got a picture of a, a piece of garlic <laughs> on it. She's got some syringes. She's got some broken mirrors. She's got a chain. You know, she's just kind of, like I said, MacGyver and like, what, what what would a junkie's arsenal look like? Like, what would they have access to? So this was kind of fun to to think about and 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 plot out how these things would would work when we got to the fight scene later, which was probably the most fun and hard time I've ever had writing a comic, but we'll get there. In the next scene, you get to what is probably tied for my favorite scene with it's one, this scene or another scene in the, in another issue. But this is just a really great quiet scene. Kayla walks into a church and she, she, she goes and prays before she goes on her suicide mission. But there's just, we were able to get like a lot of really great stuff in on this. You know, she, she talks about how prayer is, is encouraged in in NA and AA alcoholics, anonymous narcotics, anonymous as, as sort of like a a coping mechanism and and a way for looking for, for strength from without. And, and, you know, I'm not particularly religious, but I, when I was a kid, my mom would go to NA meetings. I would go with her and they're always in church basements. And, and like, I've always really associated addiction with the church for, for that reason. And, and I, I wanted to work this scene in and, and, and find some really cool ways to, to make it matter. And there's just like, you start to get shades of, of, of the story here too. You see Kayla go to do the sign of the cross with the holy water. And then she, she backs away from, from touching the holy water, which is again, not a hint that she's a vampire. <laughs> Because <laughs> Casey's convinced that she's a vampire. She she was out during the day. Come on, hey man. I'm 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 just I'm I'm writing my own head story until until issue two comes out and I can read that. Kayla Medium is that what it's called? But yeah. So but I I like this scene a lot. It's it's quiet. There's no no dialogue. It's just you see her walk into the church, does the thing with the holy water, backs away, and then she pops a squat in a pew and 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 does the the, the hail mary. Just and and you know what? Like in the script, it I, I called it the hail mary, like the football play. 
like like that that was my stupid inside joke to myself but like this is her saying like i'm i'm so fucking outmatched in what i'm about to do and like you might know, as well yeah like i'll take all the help i can get but uh, yeah so but i, I just I, I really enjoy like the scene especially the the second page of the composition and i've lost count of what page we're on i think we're on like nine it's 12 of the pdf so maybe that's yeah it's nine but yeah the chris just like this was another one where where for a handle this one yeah, Chris. I mean, I I had the idea for the composition and and the the tracking shot that we did across the panels, but like what he delivered and what he brought, like we, this was the first page I felt like we really collaborated on because what I had was a lot. It was it looked a lot like this and read a lot like this, but he was like, now let's let's get a stained glass in the back. Like let's let's really like have some opportunity to make it beautiful and and do something different. And then, then he came back to me. He's like, "Let's also make it the the, the image of the last temptation of Christ," and, and like just thematically, like that that idea of temptation and, and you know it be this being in a church, like that made so much sense to me. And like this this would not be what it is without Chris. Like this is a hundred percent him. I just put the dumb words on the page that go with it. Though this was also the page where I realized I had to had to really pay attention to Chris because he <laughs> Chris Chris is a practical jokester. And 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 you know what? There's a time and a place, Chris. There's a time and a place. He went so far with a practical joke on this page that he actually drew two versions of it, and inked two versions of it, scanned two versions of it, and, and had two versions of it colored, and sent me the second version. And if you look at the depiction of Jesus Christ in the picture, you might say, "Hey, he kind of looks like Buddy Christ from Dogma." Buddy, yeah, a little, a little bit, but like. Only so, the verse, the first version of the page I saw, it was fucking Buddy Christ, and and I didn't notice. <laughs> I didn't notice at all. I was like, oh, I can trust it. I don't need to look that hard. Learned a hard lesson that day. <laughs> but like, there's there's layers to the joke beyond that. You don't find out until the last issue of the the book that the book is set in Red Bank, New Jersey, which is where Jane Silent Bob's secret stash is. Oh, um, nice. <laughs> and, and that's that's a, that's about a mile away from Leonardo, New Jersey, where Kevin Smith grew up. And that's about a mile away from where I grew up in Union Beach, New Jersey. And like, it's just Chris playing on me like a like a jackass. But yeah, it was it was a while before I realized it. It was it was it was probably two weeks before like I took a look at the page and was like, this doesn't look this doesn't look right. <laughs> but yeah, so Chris Chris is a really fun guy to collaborate with. He's and he's just he's it looks like he's having fun on the page. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like. It was just like it was almost offensive because like of what this page is and like how quiet it is and like you like it's like dead center and uh, it's right in the center of like this this <laughs> this tier of panels that are so beautiful. I mean, it you got me, you got me. You, I, I looked at every page after this with a fucking microscope though. <sighs> but yeah, so this is this is Kayla's literal and figurative Hail Mary. She's at the church, and and the, the scene ends with her stopping by the the holy water bowl one more time, and then we cut away to the next scene. And we don't we don't know if she signs the cross or not. We don't know what happens, and then you get a nice little uh, sort of narration carryover with the the amen from the prayer carrying over to the next page, which has some that's that's some nice juxtaposition right there. Like yeah, you, you see what she was praying for as she she walks up to to this vamp nest. And this is this is where the action kicks off. I mean this 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 these next few pages are just honestly a little bit brutal. 
And I'm, I'm just noticing things on the page now for the first time. Like I never noticed the people in the background running away. <laughs> <laughs> or, or, or up on the up on the right side there's a dude hanging out on a balcony like i ne- never saw him before i love how it's microscope my ass mostly, he's mostly in the street light so you just catch the just you know what what is illuminated of him by the street light i love that yeah yeah no this is great and uh, like i said i had a lot of fun writing the scene like usually i'm very preoccupied with exact dialogue and exact narration and like order of events like when it comes to action scenes like it's so you can you get to be so much more loose so like i, I just opened the scene like like i just was like well what would i say if i was about to roll up into somebody's house and like fight them and she goes you know hey fuck faces <laughs> and then uh they, they see her over on the porch and like oh man is that some drunk chick and then she, you see her throwing a bottle. And and for a second, I don't know if this displays off, but the idea was that you would think it's a Molotov cocktail. And then it then it hits one of the vamps. And about a second later, in the next panel, he starts to to dust away because it was full of holy water. See, the holy water came back. It was it was on purpose, but it was also thematic. It, it worked out really nice, I think. Um, oh yeah. So fun story about this. We're gonna skip to the next page real quick. When when Cassius, the the main vampire, the guy from the the first couple pages, comes out, both the vampires on the other page are dusted. If you go back to the other page, Kale only kills one of them. <laughs> <laughs> like it, it it was in the script. It was just kind of something that got overlooked when the art was finally happening. And in that last panel, you'll see a second bottle flying across the panel. That was added in post as as film people would say digitally to to the art and with the assumption that the reader would understand that between the two pages oh, yeah, yeah. that vampire got dusted too and we added the sound effect paft to to that first panel on the next page to really drive it home paft is uh is my favorite sound effect that i've ever come up with because i didn't come up with it it's a fun story originally it was supposed to say poof every time a vampire got dusted but like that mm-hmm. sounds that sounds real soft. Like that's yeah. not the sound. But we needed something that kind of sounded like Pat. Like we were, we were like, but what is that? What is the sound of vampires getting dusted on Buffy? Like what is? How do you? How would you spell that? And I had like a, like a forty five minute conversation with David Pepos, who uh, does Spencer and Locke, and and going to the chapel over at Action Lab. He's a good buddy of mine, and we came up with this. And I thought that it was. It's actually, I think that's probably the right spelling. And then when I was talking to Sean, who we haven't talked about much yet either, when we were doing the lettering, I was like, let's let's add a second A in there and and like really kind of make the word look and sound a little longer. And like that that really kind of brought it all together. So listen, this book could have been a hit. It could have not been a hit, but if it had poof in it, it definitely would have not been a hit. So that was sometimes you should listen to your friends. That that is a Walt Simonson award for creative onomatopoeics. Yeah, yeah. I am the worst at sound effects. Like every time I write a script, I just put like brackets and then I write what the sound is supposed to be, like like car door slamming sound. And then I just either ask somebody else to help me or or hope to God Sean knows it. (laughs) As I've gotten a little further along in my career, I've gotten much better at figuring out the sounds. But it's it's. Honest to God, the, always the last thing I do, and it's the hardest thing for me to do. So that's that's it. So yeah, so on the next page, Cassius runs out of the house. You know, he hears a fucking commotion. He's like, what the hell's going on? And he sees Kayla, and he sees his friends or her piles of dust on the porch. So he calls the rest of the gang to come out. That's a pretty straightforward page. Yeah, it's just kind of moving the story along. Next page is one of my favorites. First panel, 
got Kayla staying at odds with with two more vamps. She's outnumbered again. She just flips him the bird and says, "Sup, bitches." Like she's she's all hot air. She is she is so <laughs> outnumbered. She knows it. it's in the narration, and she's just she's doing like the classic Spider Man. Like you're you're so nervous and worried that you can't stop quipping. And and I I, I don't know she, that that I think this was the one piece of dialogue that really like launched her her sort of voice tone and like how she sounded to me as a character. I think if you look back at the stuff before this, like she doesn't say quite as much and it's not really like anything that's got a lot of flair to it from here on out and through the rest of the issues. Like she sounds like somebody who would say sup bitches to to anyone she was about to fight. Got a two on one fight and, and Kayla's, you know, she's throwing her bottles. She's, she's got a switch tactics and she goes in for the fist fight approach and she starts getting her ass whooped. Like she's immediately slammed to the ground, but our girl is incredibly resourceful and has, has planned for these things. So she, she, she drops her hand in her pocket on the next page and turns around, does kind of like a Spider-Man pose, whips a handful of crushed mirror glass right into his eyes. I just thought that was, that was so brutal. Like, I, Oh yeah. Yeah. I dig that. Yeah. And like, now you can kind of see like that, that, that MacGyver page is starting to pay off like, and the, and the Holy water too. in like ways that you don't expect. Yeah, the 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 Molotov cocktails of of holy water and and this is a defensive move. Yeah, yeah, she's she learned from Hank Hill's best friend Dale Dale in his pocket sand. Yeah, but also this this is somebody who knows that like there's a incredibly high chance that she's going to lose this fight, so like she's not taking any chances. Oh yeah, yeah, like all bets are off. Yeah, and, and there's like a smaller added like benefit, not benefit, but like slight little Easter egg type thing that yeah, you know, she's throwing a mirror at him. Like you know, vampires no no reflection. Like you know, it's it's kind of one of those things where if you think about it, you can get more out of it. It, it wasn't on purpose. I'll admit that. Um, I dig it. Yeah, so she she's able to throw him off balance and and you know get the upper hand and, and knock them both down on top of one another. And and this, I'm going to read the dialogue on this page because this is probably the, <laughs> probably the finest dialogue I've ever written. So on on the previous page, the vamp who's got her cornered says, "You know, you got any last words?" And she says, "Well, I've got a question. You, you, did you see that movie, the one with the sparkly vamps? I did. I fucking hated it. Emo stalker vamp. No thanks. That wolf guy though." Preteen Kayla could not get enough of him. And then you transition to the next page, which is a splash of her stomping a stake through both of them, killing them both. And her just delivering the one-liner of the series. It was a dark time in my life. I, just, I, I don't know, man. That, that, that to me is poetry. Like it, that, That's a baller-ass move, too. Yeah, no, that, I love that page. And Chris absolutely nailed it. The lettering works so well there. And, and like... I don't know. Again, like I feel like every time Kayla's in a new panel, like you you get to see who she is. And like again, these these this scene was a ton of fun to write. Like I got to be creative. I got to flex muscles that I've never flexed before. And I honestly got to like say fuck it a lot. Like I could just tell jokes and 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 like have a lot of fun. Like Dead and Kids was not fun to write. I like the story. I think it came out great. I enjoy the story. But it, I I was never I was never looking forward to like sitting down to write it because it was a good time. But uh, yeah, so but at, at this point, Kayla's successfully so far dusted all but one of the vamps. Uh, and we roll on to the next page and we've got another great detail from Chris here on, on the lamp. There's there's a couple moths, like not in script, totally 
totally decorative, but like just a really cool little thing. And, and, and you see it at the top. So it doesn't distract you away from like going down the panel and seeing everything. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, uh, so Kayla's face to face with the big bad Cassius. He's he's the leader of the vamps, and and she's she's feeling pretty good. I mean, she's it's been two on one two times, and now it's finally a one on one fight, and and you know, she's she's on the next panel. Yeah, you, know, you see like peeking out, coming out from behind her. She's about to drop that chain she stole, and like she's she's going into this like with with ten pound balls at this point. She's so cocky. <laughs> And then she goes in there and she tries to whip him with the chain. And he just grabs it and wastes her, just drags her right to the ground, flips her over, gets on top of her, and and is ready to bite her. And and it's just, I mean, it, it turned around on her in an, an instant. And and it's it's about to it's about to go down. She's got no weapons. She's she's done. And then he, he's about to bite her. He doesn't bite her, and that's important because she's not a vampire, Casey. But. Uh, <laughs> And then on the next page, we get the the page turn reveal that those syringes that she had and and, and that garlic dinner she she stole from the trash, she was able to make these kind of makeshift garlic syringes, and she stabs him right in the neck. And and the sequence there is just so good of of, of his eyes going crazy and then him him exploding from the neck going down and like the arms kind of hanging midair. I mean that is that is a money shot right there, Chris. You said it was firing on all cylinders earlier. That's that's the one though. That last panel on this was this page seventeen. So so good, so good. And and like you know, we, we we knew that she's the kind of person who prepares for anything. Like she had those that 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 dust, and like she was ready. She got lucky though. That was that was close. I was nervous for her, and I knew what happened. So on the next page, we kick off sort of like the last real big important scene. And and this is one of those times where Chris tried to play a joke and I honestly couldn't talk him out of changing, <laughs> changing the art. So we're inside the house now. Kayla's found Sid. He's in the house. He's standing in the house. And, and off to the side on the wall is a poster and it is the cover for Dead and Kids number two. Like I said, Chris likes to play jokes. I caught this one, obviously. It's, it's very obvious. But Chris wouldn't change it. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, actually, I'm going to go back. We're going to go back to the MacGyver scene. So everyone turned their books back to the MacGyver page because there's there's some Easter eggs I forgot there. If you look very closely at the table where she's laid out all her gear, there's just all kinds of Easter eggs carved into the table. There's a little SPP carved into the oh, table. yeah. For Source Point Press. On the other side of her, there's a dove carved into the table for my first book, Grief. My eyes are getting bad as I get older. What's What's on the top? New Jersey Mosh Patrol. Yeah, yeah. Monster Patrol, maybe? I don't know. And then, like, the little little skank dance guy and a little skull. I mean, like, just stupid, fun details that nobody asked for. Certainly not me in the script. But, yeah, so, Dead and Kids poster. Chris is a wise ass. So, so Kayla successfully wastes all the vamps. She, she gets in the house, and, and Sid's there. He's okay. Or, or is he? It turns out uh, Sid's, Sid's a vamp now. He, he gave up. He gave in. And this, this turns into kind of a, a fight between them, a, a verbal fight, where they kind of argue the merits of, of, of being a vampire and, and, and why he would go and do that. You know, and, and he, 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 he sits her down and hits her with the cold water again and says, listen, I was doing okay until I met you. And then you just fucking took and took and took away from me and, and wore me down until I didn't care about living anymore. And, and, and you're selfish like that. 
and, 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 you know, she sort of starts to have these, this realization about herself and that this is the truth. And in a weird way, like you've got the bad guy who's, who's not actually the bad guy in the scene. And I kind of like that. And that was kind of what we were going for, but also this, this realization that she's doing this rescue mission for all the wrong reasons. She's not there to save Sid. She's there to make sure Sid's there for her in the morning. Like, and, and, and like, it's it's all sort of starting to come out and and you know you see this is what i was talking about earlier kayla is not a good person she she wants to do the right thing she wants to be clean she wants to go home she wants to stop hurting people but the way she goes about it just continues to hurt people and and keep her further from home and and she's her own worst enemy and, and that all starts starts to come out here so on the next page sid who is now a vampire and is for the vampire cause, obviously, because that's how vampires roll. It sort of makes her a, a, a cho- gives her a choice. You know, he says, "You can, you can become a vampire. You know, you can't die if you're a vampire. You can do heroin every day and never OD, and your mom never has to find your body on the couch again." And you know, it's he makes her what would be a a pretty compelling choice to to a junkie who who would maybe want to be able to get away with all that with none of the consequences. And and this is very much. I mentioned earlier that the the title of the third issue is the choice, and and this is kind of tying back, or this is tying forward to the end of this the, the series, in, in a lot of ways. And like again, we were able to just really find some great stuff to to call back to as we were going further in the series. And, and you know, so he he gives Kayla the choice, and and they sit and they think about it. And like I wanted this to be a like a sort of anti climactic scene. As it's, it's as it's playing out, or, or or just sort of low key, like it's just two people sitting and talking. There's no fight, like the fight's inside her right now. So it's it's yeah. not like I didn't want to like overdo that. So on the next page, she says, "Do it." She says, "Fuck it," and he goes in, and he bites her, and he, he breaks skin, and then his eyes go wide, and he starts to fucking blow away. And and without spelling it out for the reader, because I have a lot of faith in readers, the implication here is it's just enough information, I hope, on the page to, to sell the idea that Kayla drank holy water and it is coursing through her body and her veins right now. And and that was her last line of defense. And and when she's saying, I'm sorry in that last panel, it's it's for for so many reasons and so many different reasons. And and I'm hoping that, yeah, for people who aren't me who don't know all this, that that plays out. For the people who have read it and, and have have talked to me about the book so far, you know, it seems like most of that lands for most people. So that's that's a good thing. But again, this is another one where Chris just nailed it. Like this this sort of bird's eye view of of his ex- exploding body again, exploding down from like the top. It's just such a great thing. And, and Sean did an awesome job with the colors and like catching like the dust and the cinders like blowing away. Oh yeah, I like that touch. Yeah, uh, it's just it's just awesome. Like. I, I remember seeing that page too for the first time and it just like, cause, cause this is, this is the real climax of the book. It's, it's not the, the, the page of Cassius exploding. Like that's kind of like the false ending. This is, this is the money shot. This is the important page. And I, and I think like we were able to really tie the whole issue. Like, like if this was just a one shot, like I feel like it would have been a really successful one shot. So on the next page, it's the next morning. It's day 90 of Kayla's sobriety, which for people who don't know is, is like a real big milestone for, for addiction recovery. You know, your first 90 days are supposed to be the hardest. And on her 89th night, she, she went through all of that and, and 
with the strength inside of her was able to make the right choice and make it to the 90th day, you know, at the cost of realizing what a piece of shit she is. So it's, it's bittersweet, but like, we've got this really beautiful scene of, of the, the sun sort of rising over the park where the book started for, for people who are familiar with the, the Red Bank area, you might recognize some of the, the architecture and, and, and Marine park and, and the, the runway near the water. And it's just, yeah, it's, this, it's a very cool, idyllic. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit. And as this scene is playing out, sort of like a, a cinematic of us coming in on the park and, and seeing little parts of the park, like little details, like the 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 patrol officer clanging his, what are they called? Nightsticks? Nightstick on, on the trash can to wake up the homeless kids who are sleeping in the park and, you know, people out for a morning run. And throughout all this, we get this narration of Kayla calling her mom again to, and, and she she's talking about, you know, owing her more apologies for things she didn't realize she had done and, and that were problems and, and saying that she gets it now and that she's sorry and that she's gonna she's gonna make amends for it. And on the next page, she's she's going into a little more detail saying that, you know, she wants to come home, but but right now she can't. Like she's not ready. She's she's got some some soul searching to do and she's got a nice panel of her looking down at, at her tattoo, which I'm just now realizing we we found a way to tie that in for the third issue too without without doing it on purpose. But uh, yeah, and and you find out that uh, you know as as hang on a second, hang on a second. Oh yeah, and in that same panel, you you get the 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 electronic bubble from from the payphone saying, you know, if you'd like to make a call, please put in some money. And you, you realize that she's not actually talking to anybody; she's kind of just saying it into the universe. And she hangs up the phone, and and the last page is her heading off on, on the beginning of her journey to, to, to do her thing and, and, and try and be a better person you know, based on what she's learned here. And then we get a, a little teaser in the last panel of, of some smoky-looking gentleman in a hoodie watching her uh, walk off and kind of a little bit of threatening dialogue from him teasing what might be coming next. Uh, and that's, that's the issue. One more Easter egg from Chris on this page. Kayla's backpack has a dead-end sign on it for dead-end kids. <laughs> Like and it's like right in the middle of the page. There's no way no one's gonna like be like, oh, okay. But yeah, that's it. I know I rambled a lot and and kind of repeated myself a bunch. But I don't know. It's, overall, like I am incredibly proud of how this book came out. I think there's a ton of emotion, a ton of really just great, strong art and storytelling. Like I, I know I sound like I'm tooting my own horn when I say that, but like to to look back two years or two and a half years now since I wrote the script and, and, and like really still like what I, what I created with my friends, like that, that, that's like one of the greatest feelings in the world because like so many people look back on their, their work and say, Oh, this was wrong. That was wrong. Yeah. I wish I'd done this differently. I'd, I'd never do that now. And I can say like with full honesty, that I would do this ex- issue exactly the same because it's, it's just a good comic. Like I'm very proud of this comic and I'm excited as hell for people to check it out today yeah, i can't wait for a week from now i know it's it's nuts and just, just to get it out there it's been delayed just due to covid but you guys are are doing it like for real next week right yeah so we're recording this on uh tuesday the 14th of, of july and it's set to come out on the 22nd of july originally it was, it was on the schedule for june 24th and then the April catalog, which is the catalog it was in, was like a total 
we, no one had any idea what was going on with it. But uh, Diamond was shut down for a while, and and shops, a lot of shops were closed for for a couple months, and like it was it was pretty touch and go, like what was going to happen. But all told, we ended up getting delayed three weeks, uh, two weeks because of COVID, and then Diamond asked for an additional week because they're still kind of getting their shit together and and figuring out like how to make things work right now, and that is. Like I know they're going to get a lot of flack for all the delays that people are are having with books right now, but it's just it's just so small. Like there's there's like a worldwide millions of people dead, like pandemic happening. Yeah, it's, and it's it's if if you're excited about a book, and I know a lot of people are excited about this book and a lot of the other books. I'm excited for a lot of the other books coming out. Just take a breath, take a beat, and say, you know what? It'll be awesome when it comes out, and and a couple of weeks isn't isn't that big of a deal. It's just. Books to stores when the stores are not open to yeah. uh, customers. Right. It's 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 no one's fault. Like pointing fingers is is that's not going to make you feel better. That's something Kayla would do at the beginning of this issue. He'd be like end of the issue, <laughs> Kayla. And, and you you one thing that's you know is important in storytelling is is you see that the character grow or if they don't grow that. It's apparent they're not growing. Yeah, and it's, it's like, a, it's like a tragedy. Like, like you, you set somebody up to make a choice and they make the wrong one. And like, it's a tragedy that they didn't grow. It's not that they just didn't learn anything. It's that they chose. Yeah. Um, and, and choice is very much a part of the series for that reason. Like, I mean, people who are addicts have, have a disease. And, and, you know, part of it is something that's beyond their control. And part of it's something that is in their control. And this is very much a story about doing doing the right thing because you choose to not because it's easy or because it benefits you some way it's just it's it's about becoming a better person and like that's kind of like the universal theme of the book right like not everybody's been a drug addict like not everybody knows that experience though a lot more people than you would believe understand it either through personal experience or like one degree of separation like it it is an epidemic but this is really a book about a, a girl who goes to sleep at night and before she goes to sleep, you know, hopes that she wakes up a better person. And and who among us hasn't had that? Like who hasn't gone to the gym and said, I hope the scale numbers have gone down a little bit tomorrow, you know, or, or, or they hope that they're a better writer. I know that I go to sleep every night hoping I'm a fucking better writer. We all know what it's like to feel like we want to be better today than we were yesterday and and i think that's a big part of why kayla's story is, is so compelling it's why i want to tell it i can't really put it any more like succinctly or poetically than that like it's just we all get it that's awesome man and dude i'm i'm so glad that you're you're getting this out into the world and people are able to see it and i cannot wait to to see the chatter about it w- when it comes out officially because that's going to make my day seeing that. I hope so. And you know, I just realized we, we didn't talk about the last page, the, the back page. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. It's, not, it's not a lot to say, but every, every series I do, I designed the back page this time. Ahmed and I designed it together because I wanted it to be aesthetically similar to the cover he did. And, and essentially we came up with what the back page for the series looks like. And I mentioned, I sampled this for the, the interior credits page. But Ahmed made this this awesome logo for No Heroin. Uh, it's a skull and crossbones, but the skull is a vampire skull, so it's got these 
gnarly fangs and instead of crossbones it's got cross syringes and then there's a banner going beneath it that says no heroin this was an idea i had i'd mocked it up and realized i'm not a fucking artist so i i said hey go nuts with this almond he did he absolutely nailed it and then it's over these across each issue the the front cover color is sampled for the back cover and they're all kind of the the colors of like printer papers like like the neon printer papers like the pink and the the, the highlighter green and, and the, the orange like the kinds of things you would see like flyers for punk shows printed on and like oh, yeah stable to like a, a bulletin board or a, a fucking i don't even like a, a telephone pole and like so it's like the one one more level of like thought that we put into it and we, we sort of templatized it and made it uni- uniform across all three issues um and we and he added this like awesome just crumpled paper kind of filter over it and it just it looks it looks awesome and it really gives every issue like a, a holistic feel cover to cover. Like, like I was talking about earlier, I, I think maybe that was from the, the version of this that we aborted and restarted. But um, yeah, that, that's that kind of stuff's important to me. I think, I think so, it pays off. What well, one time when we get a chance to ju- like, just, I would really like to just talk about that because a lot of your books, not a lot, all of your books that you've done, there has been a, um, a really strong design element to where you're, you're not just getting a story that that's really good to read and really nice to look at, but the product itself, like the idea of the book as a product, you have a nice looking product. Yeah. Uh, you have a nice, like when it's on a shelf, it will look good as hell. Wow. Um, when it's next to another book, it will look better than that book because better. they're better in place that make it more appealing and uh, so so you have a, a punk rock a punk rock aesthetic throughout the book not just with the uh, covers but through through chris mad's art but you know like like the back cover design evoke being evocative of the the punk rock flyers and you know flyers from house shows which uh, i used to have a ton of those and now they you know i they might be in the basement with the the man room stuff, but it's, it's probably thrown out by now. But man, I used to have so many uh, flyers from punk shows that I've gone to and, you know, little venues that maybe 10 people went to see. Yeah, I've been, I've been there. Most of the bands I listen to played in those places and they're all closed now. So, uh, man, yeah, it's a bummer. It's a bummer. Yeah, but uh, but I think I think for me it's it's important that the book feel like like it, every inch of it matters. Like that, the like comics are expensive for what they are. Like they're really expensive for what they are. So if somebody's going to give me four dollars, I'm going to give them the best four dollars worth that I can. And and if it's, I mean, it wasn't hard for us to put this together. Like I paid Almond a little bit for the design work, and and but like you know. That, that little bit of extra is going to go an extra way. And and honestly, like one of my big peeves about most comics, and this is more true of like big two and, or big five comics is like individual books don't really have visual identities. Like I, you, you could lay out 10 issues of Spider-Man from, from five different writers over the last five years. And like, they all kind of look the same. Like, I mean, Spider-Man's had like thousands of covers at this point, but like, I just I don't know what the visual identity of a Marvel book is. That's not to say the books are bad or or that I don't like them, but like I I look at like I feel like the X Men line 
under Jonathan Hickman and and the current crew is like better about it, but even there's there's still room oh, yeah. to really really like push it. The trades for the X Men books are all very uniform and and have a visual identity, and like that's been really cool to watch happen. Like I think that. Like I got this idea from Jonathan and from listening to him and reading him. And I think that he's pushing it into the mainstream and, and I'm certainly trying to back him up over here in, in the indie scene because I think that it, it's, it helps. I, I think that if you can create a, a brand image, not to sound all marketing-y, but for your book, like something that's recognizable, it's that much easier to get people to pick up another one. Yeah. yeah. Like I, I, want, I wonder how many issues of Spider-Man didn't get bought because the person couldn't tell what series of Spider-Man it, it belonged to and, and if it was the next one they needed. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And also the, the idea that it's kind of a, a war of two different ideologies in regards to comics and, and their place in the world because you have people that literally you know just roll up a comic, put it in their back pocket, and, and walk with it. Yeah. And uh, people that, you know, will make sure it's bagged and boarded or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so it's, you know, disposable art, disposable stories, or, you know, these these are stories that, you know, I want to keep, I want to put, you know, on my bookshelf. So it, it's two schools of thought. And I don't know, man, it seems like the the nice packaging and you know the smart design choices are are finally starting to get their due and starting to win out because i mean it, it just aesthetically is pleasing sure and uh, they're catering it to to a, a more refined eye and a, a you know it's not just a 10 year old with his mom at the grocery store getting something off of a spinner rack Sure. I mean, there's, there's a lot to be said for, for design and packaging. And like, let me backtrack and say like, I don't like nothing against Marvel or DC. Like what they're doing is a different animal. Like they're putting out one or two issues of a book every month and they're just, they're trying to get shit done. I had two and a half years to make this book. So like to compare the two, (laughs) it would be unfair. That said, I wish they did more. And it seems like that the direction is going there. Like also back on like Hawkeye by David Aha and, and Matt Fraction, like, that was a book that had the covers with visual identity. Like you could tell a Hawkeye book by looking at it every single time. So it's not like it's for lack of trying or, or, or that it, they don't ever do it. But like my, like not to sound like a greedy son of a bitch about it. Cause I really don't care about the money of comics, but I do care about selling more comics because I want more comics in people's hands. I want more people to be reading my stories. Yes. I get paid more that way, but you know, that's that's a that's a silver lining. It's not the point. But my my take is comics have not really almost ever been taken seriously by most people, right? It's been it's considered a, a children's medium. It's considered like a disposable media. Like you were just talking about, some people roll them up and put them in their back fucking pocket. But and and part of that has to do with presentation. Like you know, think think of something like a like a Toyota and a Lexus, right? Two different car brands that are really owned by the same company. And and they're essentially the same car, right? Like, oh yeah, shades shades of gray between the two, like slightly better interiors and whatnot. But they're essentially the same car, but one costs twice as much, and people are willing to pay twice as much for almost the same thing. So if you can make comics feel premium and like they're worth the money and worth being protected, and it's little things like this and little things that I probably haven't thought of or won't think of, like it's that much better. Like people will take comics more seriously if you make more serious comics. And that means using good paper and, 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 you know, 
making putting effort into the way they look and feel and the way they read and, and stuff like that. And this is just my personal philosophy. Marvel is making hundreds of millions, if not billions of dollars a year, not doing this all the time. So maybe I'm wrong. But that's just that's just what I think goes into a good comic. That goes that those are the things that make me pick up a comic. Like like the Power Rangers books over at Boom. We've talked about those before. I was gonna buy them and read oh, them. Yeah. I was gonna buy them and read them anyway. Like they're they're it's one of my favorite franchises. They're good. But they get me on the variant covers. Like I'm not a variant cover guy at all, except for on my own books, because everyone should buy all the covers for my books. Um, but I have bought so many fucking Power Rangers covers, and it's because they're so fucking smart about it. Like they they get a good artist, they they do a series of covers, and they're they're all like clearly part of a series like uh they, they've got a, a great one that they launched the book with which it's a digital painted version by uh, geo montas and it's each ranger sort of mid-waist shot and it's them holding their helmet and it's seven covers of that and of <laughs> course i want every fucking one of them because somebody put thought into the design also if you flip those books over the, the 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 back cover has a design aspect to it and and the colors are coordinated to the character's helmet on the front i mean like it's just little things that are literally for the people making the books clicks on, on photoshop like it doesn't cost anything to make seven versions of, of the same back cover if you're just changing the color and it's it's just i mean i i don't know why more people don't do it oh yeah 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 so man, that's that's a lot to think about. And dude, thank you for for coming on and talking about no heroin number one, dude. Absolutely, I I love doing this when we did it for Dead End Kids last year, and I'm, I'm looking forward to talking about the next issue and the the last issue, which I just approved today. Today was a big fucking day, two year anniversary of getting the first art. Got all of Dead End Kids number two art in today. Approved the last issue of no heroin. This, this I got to mark this day down on my calendar. <laughs> Got to talk to my bud Casey for like two hours. Good, good day. I know, man. It's always great catching up, man. Yeah, but yeah, uh, thanks for having me. I, I had a blast, obviously. Again, I apologize for for rambling and, and sounding arrogant at times. I didn't mean to, no. but I I'm not sorry. It doesn't matter. Anytime I get a chance to talk to you, I enjoy it, man. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm working. I'm working on being the most featured guest. I know I'm still behind some people who who I think have inflated numbers, but I'm not going to call anybody out. <laughs> you're 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 getting there and who knows man maybe next time we'll be able to meet up at the the arctic club and do it the right way i'll so. be there you, you let me know when <laughs> the the mythical arctic club in downtown seattle washington so <laughs> if it's if it's still there if it's still there yes and, yes. and also if it exists <laughs> Who knows, man? Who knows? <laughs> Dude, thank you again for coming on. And I cannot wait to to see the reviews on this. And actually I can't wait I can't wait to read issue two. So hurry up with that. Oh, you got it. It's yours. It's in your <laughs> inbox right now. Number three will be in on Friday. I got you. Dude, wear a mask, wash your hands. We love you. And we'll talk to you soon, okay? Take it easy, bro. All right, take it easy, man.
And we're back. We are back. So, as you probably heard there at the end, they uh, talk about meeting up and meeting yeah. up with us here in Seattle. And they questioned the legitimacy of there actually being an Arctic Club. Oh. Talks, that is talked about in our intro by the, the, the one and only Andrew Sumner. I just want to put mm-hmm. him on record mm-hmm. and yes, there is an Arctic, an Arctic Club, Club. And we do record there with Sumner whenever he's in town. Yep. And it's an amazing club, actually. It's been around for over 100 years. Oh yeah, it's super cool. And we uh, last last time we were there, we were lucky enough to sit in a private room and record with them while having a it few drinks. It has a and... super interesting history. It was it the the gold miners that were in Seattle that would travel up to Alaska to make their fortune and then come back down, and they started this club. And it was originally all the guys that would go up to Alaska. Yeah, and yeah. you had to be and... a certain you know you had to have a certain kind of money and be a certain kind of person and <laughs> yep yep but and, for frankie yeah. and casey it does exist and if you do come to seattle we will happily take you there for a drink that's right that's right we'll have you know maybe we'll have some tom collins oh yeah it, yeah or, uh, you you're know, like uh. <laughs> a long island iced tea that's what i was doing <laughs> oh my god i know it's so funny just so the people know johnny does not drink very often and then when he nope. does have a cocktail he goes for the like the, the one that has the most alcohol it's like wait what <laughs> it, they taste really good all right i don't know yeah, they're gonna taste real good at the arctic club you gotta pay yeah, for it do. too that you do what you are, but they're That's good. the they're one good. thing. That place is expensive, but the food is amazing and yep. the drinks are great. So, for sure. But okay, I think no that's a show. Frank Gogol, go. Well, before we go, go to your store or, or call your store, go to eBay, go wherever and pick up No Heroin because it's a fantastic book. Casey's had a chance to read issue two and is getting a, a preview copy of issue three and he can't stop talking about it. So, there you go. Go pick it up. Check we love it Frank. Out. Frank, thanks for coming on. Now. We'll see you next time you come on. Yeah, check them all out. Check it out. Yeah. All right. That's a show. Okay, thank you. Finally, jeez, man. Yeah, sorry, sorry. Guy. I'm so long-winded. I talk too much. I talk too much. Long-winded for the Frank. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds so wrong. Uh, no, it's awesome. No, it's awesome. All yeah, right, guys, yeah. we are done. Don't forget, get out there, check out Frank Gogol, No Heroin. Also, check out Spoilerverse.com, where you can find tons of reviews and articles of, well. Pick your fancy, you'll probably find it there. And there's a ton of back issues of our show as well, along with other podcasts. Yeah, yeah. And you can click on that store link and go to our store and be a t-shirt or a hoodie or a mask or a, a, a mug or a sticker or whatever and show your support for us here at, at the Spoilerverse and Spoiler Country. And we get a few bucks out of that and it helps us uh, you know, pay the bills here to keep the lights on because this stuff's not free for us to do, but it's free for you to listen to. So go do <laughs> that and right. help us support. <laughs> not free for us, but it's free for you. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. That's right. (laughs) All right, guys. Don't forget. In an oceans of podcasts, we are Cthulhu. And as Cthulhu compels you to do, (laughs) open the mind and read.